time for Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU-FM. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, as we welcome you into another edition of Tuesday Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I am your host, David Katzenmeyer, and I am joined today by Lucas Warren, Cody Bear, and Nick Goodman. Guys, how are we doing today? I got a text from the ex-boss, Jeff Marson, this weekend. I was watching uh, Ohio State beat Notre Dame, and he told me, this Tuesday episode of Sports Wrap better be a banger. He's expecting big things. I told David, I said, Jeff's expecting a banger. He said he's going to get one. So a lot of hype on this episode. We got a good crew. We got a, got a guest in the back. I think we're going to have a banger of an episode, but... Only time will tell. But I, I like the crew. I think we have great potential. Yeah, this is. there's definitely a lot to talk about today with everything that happened in Wyoming this past Saturday. But I'm, I'm doing all right. It wasn't the best week in terms of football teams that I was rooting for. But, I mean, my fantasy team's doing really well. I'm 3-0. I'm third best team in the league here. So I'm looking forward to this episode. There's, there's definitely going to be a lot that we're going to be talking about, though. Do we know who 1 and 2 is above you? I know you're too. <laughs> Look at yeah. that. Are you the, I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. trying to and be then, a jerk. I just wanted to be I wasn't trying yeah. to be a jerk. <laughs> All right. And yeah. then Riley still won. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got, I got to play in this. So what happens to you get Justin yeah. Jefferson. My, my sports weekend, obviously, the App State game. Uh, David and Lucas here have had me actually actively cheering against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday because I knew what the group chat would look like towards Bryce Young. So I'm actually kind of happy they lost. And my pockets are a little fatter this weekend. Do you buy the whole, like... This is great film for Bryce Young to look at over the weekend. No. Thank you. Okay. No, I do on. not. I don't think it's going <laughs> to. I if, think if that film gives him four inches, yeah, <laughs> that's great. But if it's not going to help him grow, no. Oh, I think it's funny. He's calling him too small. It's crazy. <laughs> Which is I, fine. How the tables turn. We've been here for two minutes and we're already back on this. I'm just saying three weeks ago the height didn't matter. Now, Oh, yeah. Now all of a sudden Who cares about film? If it's not going to give him four inches, it doesn't matter. I won't say too much, but I'm still feeling good about our bet. You feel yeah. oh, crazy. Still feel I good? still feel good about it. I will say we had an, a complete offer for the first time in the NFC South, but I still feel good about my For game. For everybody out there that is wondering the bet, Lucas said that if the Panthers finish last place in the division that Cody... Hunter. To, or Cody and Hunter have to buy him Outback Steakhouse, but if the Panthers finish third or higher, then that means that Lucas has to buy Cody and Hunter Outback Steakhouse, and it's looking good for. And Lucas it's hilarious because right you know the odds aren't in my favor. I need one team to finish last. They need any other team to finish last. And Cody was like, "Yeah, I'm of course taking that bet." And I'm still feeling instantly. Good about it. Two weeks in, I immediately feel great about my bet. Both teams, start, all other teams, start two and zero. Panthers zero and two. And, you know, I would be nervous if all the teams in that division lost and the Panthers won. But the Panthers just gave their best performance, and they still lost by double digits. That's how you know you're a rat team. When you come out, you get an interception, you have a quarterback slinging it, you think everything's going well, and then by the end of the game you realize you have no talent, you still lose by two possessions. And Andy Dalton put on a heck of a game, too. That's what I'm talking about. Everything went right, and they still lost by ten points. So it's funny because I think I think I was a bigger Panthers fan this weekend than Cody was, but nice little Panthers talk to get things opening as we'll be talking more football later on down the road with App State Wyoming, as well as just what's going on around the college world, as well as the Monday night games last night. But before we get into that, it is time for the Mountaineer Minute. 
So kicking things off, the Mountaineer field hockey team played two matches this past weekend, one of them at home against Miami of, of Ohio and one on the road against UNC. Friday's matchup didn't go the Mountaineers' way as so they fell to the Red Hawks and lost their first game in the MAC Conference 1-4. to App State then traveled to Chapel Hill to face the number two field hockey team in the nation in the Tar Heels, losing 1-6. to While it was still a loss, Ali Clark tied a season-high 10 saves, with the Mountaineers putting up a very strong second-half performance to the second-ranked team in the nation. Looking over at App State Volleyball, they also had some tough matchups this weekend, dropping both of their matches to JMU 1-3 on Friday and Saturday. Nick Goodman and Jordan Luker broadcasted these games, so Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you real quick. Can you give us a quick breakdown of those games? Yeah, this was a really competitive matchup between both the number one projected team in the whole Sun Belt and the East Division, and the second best team projected in the East Division. Even though App State lost in fourth sets, they did play well in both games and were only a handful of points from taking it all the way to five sets. McCall Denny played really well. She had two double-doubles and her third straight double-double by the end of Saturday's game. But Miette Veldman of James Madison was just too much as in the first game that she played for James Madison on Friday, she had 25 kills and 16 digs for a massive double double and then she also led the team in kills on Saturday as she ended the game with 17 kills and 9 digs nearly another double double just a reminder, you can catch all of the home App State volleyball games on Twitch.tv. Those links will be sent out via Twitter on game days. Lastly, the men's golf team is currently playing in the JT Potson Invitational in Sapphire, North Carolina, just outside of Cullowhee, hosted by Western Carolina. Addison Beam is currently tied for sixth in the tournament after shooting rounds of 65, 69, and 74 for a tournament total of five under. Currently as a team, the Mountaineers are 10th out of 16th. Don't go anywhere as we will be right back here for Sports Trap to talk App State versus Wyoming on 90.5 WASU. Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. The Career Development Center is... This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Welcome back to Tuesday's edition of Sports Wrap. 
sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. Lucas, I know I didn't hit the beat drop. No, that's not I, what I know. I'm, I know you were a little frustrated. That is not what my hand went up about. I am upset because I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at Mighty Beans right now. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm sorry for the people listening. This was a off uh, off show topic, but we were talking about how as a child I bought one of those infomercial ads with the Go Go Mighty Beans or whatever they were. It was called. a little bit more than an infomercial ad. I feel like yeah, it had a pretty big campaign on like Cartoon it did, Network yeah. and Nickelodeon. It, it got me as a kid, and I'm just looking at it. The only toy that comes with it is just a single ramp that it rolls down, and that's what you're supposed to do with them. It's just it's it's literally a piece of plastic. With like a weight metal on ball one end, and it, yeah, and it rolls. That's, yeah, I was a collector though. I had it was like yeah. Pokemon. I had those things where like it would have the names, and you have to put them in their little slots. Them, it was awesome. Yeah. It was and great. and they made like thirty two of them, so you had to go out and continue to buy them. Yeah, yeah. So life was a little simpler back then. <laughs> <laughs> now we watch App State in Wyoming, and now we watched App State in Wyoming this past weekend as. There's a lot of emotion behind this, I know, from everybody in the room, and I feel like the fan base, there's a lot of people who I think are jumping the gun on certain things across social media, but a lot of people who have valid opinions. So this past weekend really was a hard one to watch at times. As we saw the Mountaineers, a team that was averaging 41 points per game, failed to score 20 in the Midwest matchup between the Wyoming Cowboys, falling 22-19. to There's a lot to unpack here, and frankly... It has been nonstop conversation here at the station since Saturday night. If you didn't catch the game or you need a refresher, I want to break down some stat comparisons from Saturday night for you. So alongside App State kicking three field goals inside the 12-yard line, one was at the 8, one was at the 11, and one was at the 3-yard line, their only touchdown of the night came on a Tyreek Funderburk pick six, despite the offense eclipsing 400 total yards. App State was leading this game 19-7 to with a minute or 11 minutes and 42 seconds left in the game when Wyoming's Harrison Whaley ripped off a 75-yard touchdown run on the first play of the drive. App State had a field goal attempt on the ensuing drive in the fourth quarter, but had it blocked and returned for a touchdown, the first time in Wyoming football history that that has happened. After going for it for two and converting, App State faced a 22-19 deficit with a minute and 41 seconds to go in the game. They then drove down the field, put themselves in field goal range before an errant Joey Aguilar pass was picked off at the five-yard line with 12 seconds left, ending the game. That's part of the frustration App State fans are feeling. You feel like you come out of this game and you look at the stats and you feel like you should have won by double digits. However, that wasn't the case. Many fans, they stormed to social media venting frustrations, so let's do that here. I want us to talk about our feelings and reactions to this game. We're not calling out players or people but rather just how the game went. Where did the Mountaineers go wrong to lose such a winnable game? Lucas, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, you touched on a lot of it. Like, I wrote down, I mean, there's, like, points of this game you could go back to and look at. Like, you talked about it. We had three drives that got within the Wyoming 10-yard line. We settled for three field goals. Uh, a big play, uh, game time. So some we ran the play triple option multiple times throughout this game. I counted five times when I rewatched the game. And that's what me my brother called a game time addition. So a game time addition is a play you've never called before throughout the season. It's a play you implement into the offense that you think can attack the opposing team's defense for that specific play. We called it about five times. Uh, it didn't really result in much. It gained about 
10-ish yards, but on two of those plays, the first two times he ran it, it was a fumble drop backwards, and that turned into the first touchdown of the game. And the second one was an illegal forward pass that completely stalled out a drive. The two other, the three other times he ran it, it just was a no-gain pass, and then two times he actually just handed it off to Noel. I think one time he kept it, but pretty much a non non-important play, but it cost us a ton, and we implemented it, and it's a play that wasn't run to good execution, and when you do stuff like that, when a play costs you two big plays, one being the fumble that led to a touchdown, and then the other being an illegal pass that just stalled out that drive, that's bad ball. Uh, there was, the, of course, the 175-yard run that completely flipped the game, and in my notes of last week, I said one of my fears was being gashed in the running game. I wasn't scared of this, te- this team getting explosive plays in the passing game, but they got it in the running game, and if we didn't allow that, it would have been a different game. But the biggest thing is just how dominant we were over Wyoming. We outscored, we outgained them by 209 yards. We had 20 more first downs. Wyoming completed five passes throughout the entire game for 31 <laughs> yards. We possessed the ball for 40 minutes and 25 seconds compared to Wyoming's 19 and 35. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just an embarrassment. If you look at any number, App State should have beat this team by 20 points. 20 first downs. We yeah, had more we than had them. 20. We had 27. Yeah. They had seven in the whole game. They had seven in the entire game. Yeah. That's just I, just, I just, I just wanted to say that again and put that in perspective. That is not a stat line you it see. With, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Nick, I'll, I'll turn it right back over to you, but I, I just wanted to point that out one more time because that stat is ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to echo some of the statements you said already and a couple of other things that I noticed during the game. Again, the biggest thing that usually results when you lose a game like this, the two biggest things that could cause you to have such a big statistical difference but still lose the game, both happened to App State. The first thing, we talked about it earlier, three chip shot field goals within 30 yards, a 25-yarder, a 28-yarder, and a 20-yarder. That's not winning football. Once you get inside the 10-yard line, you've got to try to go and get a touchdown every time you can. Obviously, the 28-yarder, that was fourth and goal from the 11. You have to kick the field goal. But there's an argument to be made that both the 25-yarder and the 20-yarder could have been easily go-for-it opportunities. The 25-yarder, again, you might want to score first and just get the lead to start the game out. But it was also fourth and two. And that's a a situation where App State has gone for it in the past and has gotten it in the past. And the opportunity to try to get seven over three there is something that App State should go for. The 20-yarder, they should have gone for. It was at the three-yard line. It was early, relatively earlier, early in the game. They already kicked two chip shot field goals before that 20-yarder from the three. Worst-case scenario, unless you turn the ball over, you're still pinning Wyoming deep in their own territory. You might get a safety. You easily could get good field position right after that play. App State was aggressive against other teams they played this year. They were aggressive against East Carolina. They were aggressive against UNC. I don't know why they weren't aggressive in this situation against Wyoming, especially when you were driving down the field and you were in a position where you'd go for it in the past. But the other thing that usually happens from these big statistical advantages that result in losses is turnovers. And App State lost a turnover battle 2-1. to one. Even though they did get a pick 6, which we talked about earlier from Tyree Funderburk, an 18-yard return that gave App State the 19-7 to seven lead. App State had a couple of killer turnovers in the game. As Lucas mentioned earlier, they ran a triple option play that they didn't run the entire year. And they had a couple of plays where Joey would throw a lateral, like, 10 yards across the field to Deshaun Davis. One of those plays was 
uh, one of the turnovers where it went through Davis's hands and he didn't realize it was a lateral. That directly led to Wyoming's first seven points of the game and their first lead. And as a side note, there was another time in that game where Joey did that and the ball went forward. It cost App State some yards. It was a penalty. Let's not run that play again. Yeah. Uh, let's just go yeah. ahead and just throw that you can play axe out. that one. Yeah, just axe that out of the playbook. It's called 85. That's and then, what they say in restaurants. Again, as, and also as we alluded to at the end of the game, Joey threw uh, a bad pick at the very end when they were driving down the field. He's got to just take that. He's got to scramble. He's got to get well, down here. He's got to throw it out. Of the yeah, exactly. We're we're do anything. Wait. The thing is, the coach, they've got to drill into his head that cover zero is coming. Yeah. Because in that scenario, yes. Yeah, because okay. Wyoming played coverage the last couple of plays, and Christian Horn nearly had a big touchdown catch to win the game. Then they had interference on Malai Tucker when they played coverage. You have to know when you're in field goal range and you have no timeouts to expect that and just tell Joey, okay, here's a check down. Worst case scenario, throw it at the guy's feet and just go ahead and eat the play. And even though this one doesn't count as a turnover, the blocked field goal, that that can't happen in that situation. You've got to be able to know, like, at the end of the game, that's the one thing you can't do. You've got to make sure you don't get bulldozed in protection and allow that to happen. Obviously, you don't necessarily prepare or think that's going to happen if you're in the game when Michael Hughes was red hot going 4-4. Four for four. He did hit a 50-yarder at the, t- of the top of the uprights. He was hot, but that stuff can't happen. And as I mentioned before, they've got to be more aggressive. And there's one other thing that I was going to bring up, too. Uh, there was a couple of questionable coaching moments. They did go for it on one fourth down, fourth and one at Wyoming's 41 yard line. I agree with that call. You're at their plus side of the field. You only needed a foot. What I didn't agree with was going out of pistol when you needed one foot. Just, and, and they loaded the box with five or six. Like, yeah. they knew it was coming. Yeah, at that point, though, just if you need a foot, why are you going back five yards to get a foot? That doesn't. That doesn't really make sense. Just go under center and run a QB sneak. You should be able to get the first down fairly easy. And then leading up to that field goal, they had a time-consuming 9-minute and 32-second drive just before the blocked field goal. And during that drive, App State called all three of their second-half timeouts because the play clock was running out and they didn't get the play in. That directly led to Joey panicking on that cover zero play because if he has a timeout, he probably just eats the sack because then you could just call a timeout and you're good. Joey probably was thinking when he had zero timeouts, I've got to get the ball out of my hands because... You've got to find a way to make something happen. Yeah, you have to try to make something happen because I might be screwed if I take a sack right here. Whereas if you have a timeout, you have that in your back pocket. It probably doesn't lead to that even happening in the first place. So just to close out all this... App State came into the season talking about having a reset year, having a year where they reset to where they were. The game we just watched was a defensive remix of the Georgia Southern game last year, where App State gained way more yards than Georgia Southern. They dominated them statistically, but settled for short field goals. The field goal unit let the team down at the end of the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing a game they should have won. They can't play like this again if they want to be competitive in the Sun Belt this year. No. I agree with both of what these guys said. I'm not going to just go down and and repeat all the things they said. I'll summarize it a little bit. It was an inability to put it in the end zone. Obviously, we're going to talk about some of the play calling later, but just kicking it on the 8-yard line, the 11-yard line, and then the 3-yard line, you're just not – you're leaving points on the board. Now, what am am I going to say if you go for it all three of those times and then you don't get it every single time? I'm going to be saying three points is better than zero points. It's 
it's one of those where it's a decision that can only be made by a coach, but looking at it in hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. You you left those points on the board. I do like what you said, Nick, about the play at the three-yard line. If you don't get it, at least you're leaving it at the two for Wyoming. Mm-hmm. But it was just a matter of you couldn't put the ball in the end zone. You couldn't sustain drives in the second half. My The Joey Aguilar interception at the end of the game, it's one of those situations where it's it's your guy or no guy. But with 12 seconds on the clock when he goes down, the bigger issue was them bringing guys and the pocket collapsed. He had guys to his left and his right. It fell yeah. down immediately. There was no running out of the pocket. Yeah, there, yeah, there, no there, there was no, there was no scramble. See, I, yeah, I, I, I was actually, gonna point that out. Yeah, there was I, no chance. Yeah, no, I just I just rewatched the play. Cody had it pulled up yeah. and I, I was yeah. thinking something different in my head from my my vantage point yeah. from where I was watching that yeah. looked a little bit different, but um, it, it makes sense now that I've seen it from the TV point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still though, I just wanted to bring up like if App doesn't call other timeouts, he's not gonna be in that position to try to make a play like that. Yeah, there were some situations where like you you had to use timeouts because those timeouts weren't used throughout that drive. There were a couple to save like delay of games. I think they used two timeouts in the they second used, half. They used three on that time consuming drive to save delay of games. Yeah. All three of them. <laughs> that's that's tough. That's just not not great management. I mean, it's really not. And Cody, you showed me a quote yesterday from Sean Clark. It was the pregame ca- press conference before UNC mm-hmm. where Sean Clark said Field goals don't win. This is not verbatim, by the way. I, I can't remember the direct quote, but essentially saying field goals don't win games. In the Gardner-Webb game, they were 4 for 13 on third down. They went for it three times on fourth down, and they were 3 for 3. Verbatim, he said, touchdowns win football games. And we will be doing it more often. Why did we see none of that aggressiveness in the red zone in this game? The one scenario Lucas pointed out was that on the, on, on the 11-yard line, that's a, that's a fourth and goal. Mm-hmm. You don't go for that there. You take the points. Yep. It's a fourth and two to start the game. I understand taking the points and wanting to set the precedent. But that is not App State football. That is not what we've done in the past. That is not what Sean Clark is trying to portray to us. And then, with a chance to rectify it on the three-yard line on fourth and goal, you don't go for it. Worst case scenario, they have the ball on the three. And your defense has been playing stellar. This defense played a phenomenal game. There were loopholes, there were holes that the defense had, but for for the most part, Mm -hmm. this defense played phenomenally, and it showed on the Wyoming stats. That's where the frustration comes back to me. Because this was one of the most conservative games that I've ever seen out of App State. It felt like we were scared to score points because we didn't want to risk giving up a lead. Didn't matter how big it was. And damn it, I'm pissed. All right, I'm upset. I I pushed back on that. Um, first, I, I think Cody talked about it, but you talked about the fourth down thing. I think fourth downs are one of the easiest things to critique in the modern fo- modern football because you know it's become a thing where coaches are being more aggressive with fourth downs. But you said it, Cody, because no matter what, you can look at it hindsight and make the other person seem dumb for their decision. Because we took the field goals, obviously we took points, but we could have taken the we could have gone for touchdowns but what if we go i don't know one for two we get seven points people come back and they say oh we could have had nine points at on least three we would have played goals. our brand of football 
Yeah, but that, I mean, come on. <laughs> you're focused on brand of football. Like, we're trying to win a game. The other team passed the ball for 31 yards. But like, it's, it's you're, just... you're in a game where points are not abundantly being scored right now. I'm not saying that they couldn't have gone for it, but I'm saying that it's very easy to sit here. And, like, if that is your biggest argument from this game, I don't think that's it's not, something it's to not. be... It's, that's just, a, it's just a part it's, of it's, it. It's an argument. Yeah, but that, it barely... It, like, I'm just saying in the sense, like, if you... We didn't lose the game because we didn't score enough points. We lost the game because we made we had a blocked field goal and we had a terrible fumble or we had a terrible backwards lateral pass into a fumble. But we scored enough points to win the game and we were in position in the last two minutes to win the game. But this team is coming into this game scoring 40 points a game. You did it against a UNC defense that people are not the defense themselves, but they're looking at this UNC team and they're thinking they could win the ACC. You went in there and you played double overtime against them. You put up you put up 34, excuse me, but they're averaging 41. This offense has never come out that flat so far this year. I thought it was going to be something that we didn't have to watch again because last year the offense was so it was up or down. It was up big down big. And I was hoping that we wouldn't see flashes of that. But this game to me was the most frustrating game that I have ever watched as an App State fan. In my 3 years I've been here, I'd rather sit there and watch the Texas State game last year. I'd rather sit there and watch JMU come back from an unbelievable score in the second half than watch that game again. Yeah, I mean, because I, sorry, go. No, go no, ahead, you got go. it. You got it. I don't want to cut you off. I mean, I'm just, I'll just go. I'm just saying, like, it's a very frustrating game, and it is a very frustrating game. But it's because of the things we talked about, like those mistakes that just don't happen often in a football game. Like we did outplay them. That's 100. percent We scored. We gained, outgained them by 209 yards. But. I just think when you focus on stuff like our brand of football and like what this offense is expected to do, you have to look at the game we were in, and we were in a game that we had control of this game in the last two minutes of the game. No one was scoring points. Our defense, you said it, our defense was stopping them no matter what they did. So I, I, I'm not saying that may, maybe Clark should – he did go for a fourth down on our own 43, didn't get it, then he didn't go for it on the 48 and punted it. Maybe he could have gone for one of those. Maybe he could have gone for it inside the 20. I'm not saying he couldn't have, but I'm saying when we were sitting here critiquing it like, oh, like uh, we're just sitting here saying that it's not our brand of football and it's not this, it's not that. We were in a position to win a football game. That's our brand of football, winning football games. And we had that, and two things that rarely ever happen in a football game happen. You can't, as a head coach, you're not predicting we're going to go on a not, we, when we needed it, we went on a 15 play, 54 yard, nine minute, 50 second drive and put ourselves in a position to win the game and we got our kick blocked and returned for a touchdown. You're telling me that's bad coaching? Like, no, that's a crazy thing happening that you couldn't predict, but we executed when we needed to in the fourth quarter. There was points we didn't execute in those. Now we're just talking, so I'm just going to go down to my points for that. But if we look at that red zone, there was two plays. In the second red zone trip, on third down, we won trips left to the left side. Joey Aguilar simply doesn't see Nate Noel running wide open slant into the end zone. On the first drive, we have a slant for Christian Horn. He's in the end zone. It would have been a touchdown. Gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. On the third uh, red zone trip, we have in, we run two, we open up with two run plays. The first is an inside zone with a motion. That gets no yards. The second one is a counter play where the blocking is just, there's some miscommunication because two defenders were unblocked and two guys were not blocking anyone. So I understand if you want to look at the coaches at times, but you have to also be fair to the coaches and say sometimes it's not executed well. Sometimes things happen that are out of your control on the football field. I'm not trying to look at this from one side of it only because obviously coaches call players. Players have to make plays. And at the end of the day, both have to work together. And you're right. We were in a situation to win this football game, but it's how we got there that frustrates me. If we won this game, I would be venting some of these frustrations, but not to this extent. 
It's the fact that we lost this game. It's the fact that we didn't play as aggressive as what Sean Clark was saying. Our head coach said, we are going to go for it on fourth down more. We are going to score touchdowns because touchdowns win games. And then you try four field goals. Two of which you easily can pick up a first down or score a touchdown. Or at worst, you stop them close on your own goal line. That does not win football. Field goals don't win football games. It would have if it didn't get blocked. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. But it that doesn't. That, 20 look, yarders done. Look, what's what? done? I was just saying, t- 20 yarders, they, that's, you're leaving you points don't on the put yourself in a si- You don't put 12. yourself in a situation where all of a sudden it, it flips like that. It, the way App State, the way Wyoming played this game, App State shouldn't have even been in a situation that that kick got returned, that it would be a close game. It would be an on score game. I will say this, when you're in a game, because a lot of these kind of decisions does come down to the game feel, that's why I'm not a big analytics guy. I think the feel of the game is very important. And looking at the feel of this game, at the end of it, we're we're all saying, we couldn't put up points, they couldn't put up points. So when you're in a game where it feels like the defense is a bigger deal, which I felt like we were saying before the game, you take the points where you can get them. I will say when when it's a game where it's like, we just aren't, I don't know. I, I do agree with you, Lucas, there on the fact that like our, our game plan did get us to a position where a couple freak things is what made us lose. And I do agree with the fact that when you're in a game where getting points feels very, very difficult, you almost have to, have to get them where you can. So in that way, I don't hate kicking field goals in a lot of situations. Still don't love the 20-yard one, like you said, Nick, yeah. just because it is a position where in the same exact feel of the game, you want to flip the field, and you do such a good job of flipping the field when even if you don't score the touchdown, you're giving them the ball at the two. Mm. But there are situations, I suppose, where when you look at it, you want to say, it's tough for us to get points against this team. Let's get them where we can. I mean, I, that's the thing I, I'm trying to say. Like, I feel like there's an argument for the 25-yarder. Like, it's going for fourth and two. 28, you have to kick it. It's fourth and 11. Yeah. You just, you have to. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not frustrated about that. It's just the 20-yarder. No, no one's frustrated I, about that. The 20-yarder yeah. is the one where you just have to go and try to win, try to get as many points as you can. Like, that one, you've you've got to go for it. It doesn't matter if you don't get it. At least you're being aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. And I, I don't disagree. Like, if you think we should have gone for it, that's fine. Uh, I just think, like, I, I just disagree with the take. Like you said, uh, David, you said, Field goals don't win the games. And I think when you look at, because you said three 20 yard field goals, that just doesn't look good. And you're right. Like, you should finish. If you're getting into the red zone, if you're getting within the opposing team's 10 yard line three times, you should not leave with three points. That's just football. You should not do that. But I'm saying, like Cody said, in a game where the final score was 22 to 19 and they got, what was it? They got seven points. Seven of their points came off of a fumble within on our side of the field where they ran it in, and then the other seven points came from a crazy one-play 75-yard touchdown. That Without that, they were averaging, I think, like I have it here, so 2.9 yards per carry. So it, outside of that, they were, they were averaging 4.3 yards per carry. If you take away that 175-yard run, 2.9 yards per carry. But I just mean this was a game that was grinded out, field position battle, and we were put in a position to win. So I just think when you say field goals don't win games, field goals do win games because we would have won this game. It's just we got blocked and crazy stuff happened. But field yeah. goals would have won this game. They would have won this game. But that's the thing is but it, it's this it, game. But in every other game, we haven't been settling for field goals. That's my exactly. point. Exactly. We but haven't this been my, settling but I don't for understand your goals. argument because you're saying 
Like We were in a position to win this game. Yes, it wasn't a game where you're going to go out there and put 40 points on the board. If we would have, we would have blown them out. But it wasn't that kind of game. It was the kind of game that was low scoring, grinded out, and we would have won that kind of game. We had it in a position. We went on a, I said it once, 15 play, 54 yard, 9 minute, 50, uh, nine minute and 50 second drive. That's ball control football, and we did that to its finest, and then we just got a field goal blocked. So I understand we weren't as explosive as explosive as we were in the previous three weeks, but that's because the game didn't call for that. The game called for a more grinded-out style. We scored 63 points against UNC in Week 1 and then 17 points against Texas A&M in 1. It, like, there's different game scripts, and this was a different game script. And I mean, if we don't have two crazy plays, we win this game. And I think for me personally, my frustration comes with the fact that I feel like there's disconnect between everything that we're hearing from the press side of it and then what we're watching on the field, especially this, or specifically this week. Yeah, I mean, the, I... The comments that, that... And this is not calling out Sean Clark whatsoever, but when you make a statement like that, I expect to see it on the field. I understand that GameScript calls for different things, and my frustrations will be somewhat alleviated if we go out and we show that aggressiveness against Joel Monroe, and once we enter the Sun Belt, this is one game, and, it, and frankly... At the end of the day, it's non-conference. It doesn't matter to our goals as a football team. But it's just the fact for me that you lead into the week, and they showed so many different plays in practice that I was really looking forward to watch that I think would have worked against this Wyoming defense, especially the two-back set. That's the thing that I love. I saw they, We saw it so much throughout Tuesday and Wednesday, and we didn't see it in the game against... Wyoming, which could be for one reason or another. I'm not going to specifically try and base an argument on that. But why didn't we see something like that? Why didn't we see some of the things that I just felt we were almost supposed to see leading into this week? And for me, I think my expectations were almost a little bit too high because I didn't think we were going to go in and we were going to boat race them. But I also thought that this is a game that we are a better team. And I think that from a talent standpoint and what we've shown, then that we are. This is my question. So, I mean, I guess I have two questions. One, like, what do you consider to be aggressive? Because I guess, do you consider aggressive just, like, them not going for it in those fourth down scenarios? I just, that doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit well with me kicking a field goal on the three-yard line. And at that point, we had been able to feel the game out a little bit more. The first field goal that's on that fourth and two makes a little bit more sense because you're ju- you're trying to get points at the beginning of the game. You're trying to set the tone. You're trying to establish. It really is just the fact that they did not go for it, and they kicked a field goal on the 20-yard line. They were, had the ball on the three, and you don't go for it. And for me, like that's, that's frustrating as a fan. That's really frustrating, especially when the, we've heard these comments from somebody like Sean Clark, who pretty much said, in these scenarios, we're going for it. I know it's a different game script. But it's, it's one thing when I hear something from my head coach that I am supporting and that I'm rooting for and I'm cheering for, and then he almost does something of the opposite manner. I know it's, game, I know it's a different game than UNC. I know this is a very specific game on the schedule, and they had a very specific game plan going into it. But there feel, it feels like there's disconnect, and that's where I get frustrated. Yeah, I, yeah we... I, I think would disagree there. I just think I just think when you look at coaches, it's like for example, you brought up the two running back set. And if you feel like that's a great play, that's fine. But do you really like just in your heart of hearts, do you really feel like all practice all week long in practice they're running these two running back sets that work great and it would have worked great against Wyoming and the coaches just decided we're not gonna put it in because we don't well, want no, to. Well no, obviously there's stuff behind the scenes that 
that we don't know about. And I'm just saying, that I'm, and I'm not trying to rely on that one statement. I said that before. I'm not trying to base an argument based on that one play that I saw in practice as a spectator. Because I'm not, I'm not a part of the team. I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know what's going on and how, how well that play worked. I just, as a fan, and going into this game, even from an analytical standpoint, expected more from this team. The defense not. I didn't. I expected more in pivotal scenarios, in key moments, on the, on the three-yard line on fourth and goal, on that fourth and one in plus territory, why do you run a pistol? It's, it's, again, you can pinpoint one specific play. You can pinpoint a few. And if we would have lost against UNC badly, I feel like we could have done that. But there were some bad calls in that game, but you can't be perfect. Mm-hmm. You never can be. But what really gets me here is that it felt like we made the mistakes in the most pivotal spots of the game to where we couldn't put them away. I understand and I get that it's a freak accident that the field goal gets blocked and then it's one play that the defense doesn't cover up Whaley and he slips through and goes for the 75-yard touchdown run. They're both freak plays. But the problem is that we weren't aggressive earlier in the game to put us in a scenario that we would have a buffer for that. And I know you're shaking your head, Lucas. I just, what do you mean you, by aggressive? Like, what it, like what, You just say aggressive like a blanket term, but it's like you can't. I'm talking about literally those two plays. Specifically right now, I am talking about those plays. I'm talking about that fourth and goal in the three, and I'm talking about us lining up a pistol when they're loading the box ready for the run. Like Nick said, why do you go five deep in plus ter- five yards deep behind your own line of scrimmage in plus territory so you're- instead of going under center? I'm pinpointing specific plays here because I am frustrated because we've seen that before. This is not the first time we've seen plays executed like this. And I think that... I feel you. You and I could go back and forth on this all day. Yeah. I feel like because you 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 view the game different than I do, and we had this conversation before the show as well. And I'm loving this right now. I'm loving this back and forth between us. But um, I want to let you have a chance yeah. to give your statement, and then I want to be able to. Or I want to open it up. Yeah, I, I want to open it up, and I want to move on to our next talking point as well. Do you guys have anything? <laughs> Sorry, we talked. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm just. Yeah, you guys talked talked a lot about that. Yeah, I mean, we kind of we we went off the rails a bit. Yeah, there. I mean. I don't really have much more to say than everything that I've already said and everyone else has touched on here. So Okay. All right. Well, I would like to go ahead and move on to our next talking point. On a little bit of a lighter note. Oh, my God. It's 640. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we alluded to it a little bit before, but while the Mountaineers did lose this game, there were some bright spots. There were a lot of bright spots, actually, throughout this game. Especially this App State defense, who only allowed 208 total yards of offense. They had they held Andrew Peasley to five completions on 15 attempts, an interception, and he only accounted for 31 yards through the air. We talked about, or I guess I talked about a lot of negative things <laughs> that we were looking at, but what's one positive we can take away from this game? Uh, I'm just going to say the defense is the big one. I don't want to take away from these guys, but I had defense Kanye Roberts as the two big things. Uh, I talked about it, but outside of that one, Big rushing play. They allowed 2.9 yards per carry on 142 rushing yards. Passing defense, we talked about it, 31 yards allowed. And then Kanye Roberts, I just think it was kind of bad that Mikhail Haywood had more carries than him. He had eight carries. Kanye Roberts only had six carries. Kanye Roberts was averaging 9.8 yards per carry, six carries, 59 yards. He also had the biggest play for App State in this game of 35 yards. So I think we could have seen Roberts a little bit more. Yeah, to try not to repeat too much, I do agree with what everyone said about the defense. They played really well, not only only allowing 31 passing yards, but 
only 177 rushing yards to fight despite allowing that 75-yard touchdown run. Um, to add on to that, App State didn't have a lot of penalties at all. They only had two penalties for 15 yards. They were able to win that battle. Wyoming had eight for 65. Um, and even though Michael Hughes did have that kick, kick blocked, which is an unfortunate stain on the game that he had. He did hit all those chip shot field goals and hit a career-long 50-yarder that was at the top of the uprights when it went through. So, Which was the longest App State field goal since 2017. That was Chandler State in 53, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, but Michael Hughes, we've heard about him having a big leg. He's been good on kickoffs for a while. It was good to see him finally hit a long field goal for us in a game. I'm, I'm going to go on with, with the defense a little bit more as well. I know we had... We've had a couple big plays that we've led up this season, but I do want to say they're a lot different than what we saw last season. Because last season, and it was talked about a lot going into this season, about not giving up those kind of big plays, a lot of it last season was just the secondary. It was kind of getting eaten up out there. So I do also want to say, like, uh, Tyreek Funderburk has been great. Jordan Favors has been fantastic. I love what I've seen from those guys. And then the big plays... Uh, Lucas, you you said it very, very well after the North Carolina game. It was a matter of just everyone on the strong side, and they ran at the weak side. Yeah. And that was a big play. But a lot of the same here. Like There are big plays, but the defense as a whole looks a lot more solid than it has last season, I think. And that's just something good to take out of this game. Yeah. My biggest thing was Michael Hughes. Whether you wanted him on the field or not, he did exactly what he was supposed to apart from the block kick. And the 50-yarder, That's the, the sideline was going crazy for that. I mean, yeah. he, he was so excited. He came back, and I, I, it felt like as they were starting to head towards the locker room, every single person on that team was coming over. They were patting him on the helmet, or they were, they were saying something to him. Because, I mean, that's, you're at 7,700 feet, mm-hmm. and you get a chance to kick a ball that... I'm not saying that you're not usually super confident in making, but you know you're going to have the leg no matter what. Yeah. And then you just – I mean, it was a beautiful oh, kick. He it was it. awesome. It was a fantastic kick. Yeah, he and, crushed it. And just the celebration afterwards. And I, I loved watching that. I loved being able to feel that energy down in the field. Conspiracy, I think he missed that last kick really badly. Like, I think it wasn't even close. Like, because first, if you look, he's lined up to the left side. Like, Hughes is lined up with the left tackle. If you freeze frame the shot, they, he liked the. Sh- uh, I guess he likes it more in the middle of the field because they were on the right hash, and the nose guard blocks it, and he's not even jumping. He just puts his hands up, so the ball is incredibly low, and it gets completely blocked, like blocked that way. So his whole hand was on it, and it was going towards the right. I think it hooks right and is low. I think he missed it badly. Well, I think he kind of got saved. To, to be fair, though. You think he got um, the, saved by it being returned yeah, for a touchdown? By it being blocked. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. We'll, well never know. We'll never know. To be fair, though, the nose guard did get really good push on that play. He did, yeah. yeah. He did but really, it's like, yeah. he was literally being pushed. Like, he was bending down yeah. and his hand up still. Like, you just rarely see someone grounded and, like, kind of bent down, yeah. actually. He was only, like, at best, like, six feet up yeah. with that hand. and it's Maybe like, it's all the win. If he misses that kick and then Wyoming goes and scores a touchdown the old-fashioned way, yeah. that's bad for a kicker's head case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, he, he got lucky with that kick being blocked. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. So, just because I want to go ahead and move us on to some of our other things we got to talk about on the show, real quick, Cody, I'll start with you. Any kind of final thoughts on this Wyoming game? Yeah, overall, it's a tough one going into your your conference play. But I will say it's going to be tough for ULM because it's nice knowing that App State 
at least, you know, it's not great, but it is somewhat nice knowing that they're not going to coast into conference play. Yeah. They have a reason to win. They have motivation at practice. So coming off of a loss, I'm actually more confident going into Sunbelt play than I would be had they won. Yeah, we kind of alluded to it earlier. It is better for this to happen in a non-conference game versus, like, last year where we blew a game against James Madison when we were up 28-3. to That When that game counted towards our record, counted towards our chances to try to make the Sunbelt Championship game, at the very least, App has some stuff where they can look at the film and coach some guys up and try to get better as we head into conference play. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways from this game. Uh, to be a little negative, I think one of them is we have to actually kind of look at Joey Aguilar a little bit. I didn't like a lot of his decisions in this game. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think the thing is Berger, but it just scares me that we're entering maybe a little question mark at the quarter. I know Cody is I don't like it. grimacing. I don't like no, I don't like it either, but I'm saying we might that. have to. I don't know yeah. if Joey's going to push aside all the doubters, uh, but I, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, it's not a fun game. Um, a lot of stuff happened, but, yeah, I think we – should still be set to win a lot of games in the yeah. Sun Belt. I'll just add on real quick. I just hoping we that he keeps his confidence after having that drive where he went down in panic and threw a pick. I just hope that he still comes out. Oh yeah, I do, too. I do too. Joe Cool yeah. isn't a guy that's going to lose confidence. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I've not seen that. it plenty of times, especially yeah. in that North Carolina game. He's going to come back firing. Mm-hmm. So we had touched on it. Despite this heartbreak in Laramie, this week we will open conference play as the Mountaineers go on the road and open a new chapter of the season against UL Monroe Saturday night at 8 p.m. How does App State bounce back and get their first Sunbelt Conference win after a heartbreaker? Um, I haven't had too much time to go into ULM, like look at what they run and stuff, but I, looking at them, they don't look like a very good passing offense, uh, and they seem to lean on the rushing attack. Their starting quarterback doesn't have a touchdown pass through three. I don't think he's played every game, but he doesn't have a touchdown pass yet. He has two interceptions. The most uh, dangerous offensive player seems to be running back Hunter Smith. He has 22 carries, 220 yards, ten tu- two touchdowns, uh, 10 yards per carry through two games. So he seems like a guy who maybe came on a little later in the season, didn't start the first game, but has played well for them so far this year. But I, I-, I mean, like the Wyoming game and like the ECU game, I think on paper, it's a very winnable game for App State. Yeah, I mean, if Obviously, this is not a guaranteed win. We kind of alluded to the Texas State game last year where, on paper, App State should have won that game easily, but they got down big in the game and then just couldn't fight their way back, and it was a game that everybody remembers here. It was really frustrating to watch because you felt like App State should have won it. But App State, if they respond, if they are able to bounce back after this tough loss, they should beat Louisiana Monroe. Um, They're projected to finish dead last in the West Division of the Sun Belt this year. And as Lucas brought up earlier, they have struggled to throw the football. They've had a couple of guys, um, one of their guys right, is leading the team in passing yards. It's 164, but he has a 46% completion percentage with no touchdowns and two picks. And then they have another guy, Hunter Herring, who has 121 passing yards and a touchdown, but only 53% completion percentage. Um, so they've struggled a lot to throw the ball. Um, but at, they need to make, a, make it a point to, at the beginning of this game to just stack up as much points as possible to make them one-dimensional. Um, they can't be in a situation where Louisiana Monroe doesn't have to rely on these two quarterbacks that haven't played very well to start this year, and they just have to find a way to force them to be in a situation where they have to throw. If that happens, I feel like they'll win the game. ULM struggles scoring in general, 
and I don't think there's as much worry about that defense as we've had against a team like Wyoming. App State opens up as 13.5-point favorites, and I think they cover. So we will be breaking all of that down on Thursday's episode of Sports Wrap. Just wanted to give a quick preview here. We're moving on. We're looking forward. We're looking into the future. We're looking into Sunbelt play. We're going to put this one behind us, depending on how frustrated people are. Real quick, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Eggers, 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 and Eggers Law Firm, and we'll be right back. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. So for this upcoming section, we're going to talk some college football. And I want to give a topic, and I just want you to give me a quick take on the game under a minute or so, just of your thoughts and what we truly learned about this team. We're going to start Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Cody, take it away. Okay, so it showed the defense between these teams very like very nicely. They both have a very good defense. I don't love either team to make the playoffs after watching this game. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't love either team to make them before watching this game. But after, I just, I don't love what I see from Ohio State's offense, and I think that was more so the contender. And then Marcus Freeman didn't have 11 players on the field for the last two plays of that game, which is a complete lapse and a winnable blockbuster. That's just that's a terrible game to have to have nightmares over for the next week if you're Marcus Freeman thinking about how you had a shot, but you missed an entire defender on the field. Yeah, it was close, very hard-fought defensive game. As Cody just said, Notre Dame, just they cannot have 10 players in the game on Ohio State's game-winning touchdown. That's just something... That's coaching 101. you got to make sure you have all 11 guys on the field. It made it easier for Ohio State just to hand the ball off and get into the end zone right there. I did learn the Buckeyes that are they're tough. They can win on the road when things aren't really going perfectly for them. But for Notre Dame, they did show that they can stick with some of the top teams in college football, and they'll be a tough out. I learned that Ryan Day uh, doesn't take any prisoners. Uh, even if you're 88, he's going to come at you on live TV. <laughs> Shout out Lou Holtz. But, yeah, I learned a lot. Uh, I think Kyle McCord, I wasn't super impressed, but I think he showed a lot of guts that you need in a quarterback. He wasn't great on the day, 20 for 37, 240 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But on that final drive, just gritty, gutsy stuff, 5 for 13, 73 yards, but just made tough throws. He had the grounding, came back, 21-yard strike to get them in goal into uh, – uh, first and goal. He just made a lot of tough throws on that final drive. I don't I don't know if either of these teams are playoff teams, but I just think Kyle McCord, a young quarterback, has shown he has something at the position as he continues to grow. And then Ohio State's passing defense was really good in this game. Uh, going into the game, Notre Dame, 280 yards passing per game. They held uh, Sam Hartman 175 yards passing and just one touchdown. Uh, was a lot lower scoring than I kind of thought, but yeah, I just think Ohio State showed they're a little bit more for real than we kind of thought they were going into this season. The hiring of Jim Knowles two years ago now was one of the best decisions that App State could have made is that defense. Ohio State. Or Ohio State, excuse <laughs> me, not App State. <laughs> they got the state at the end. That Ohio State could have made as that defense, they do look for real. This is the first test for both these teams, and I'm really interested to see going forwards how they play out the rest of the 
year. I don't think that Sam Hartman and Notre Dame get shut down like that against a lot of other defenses that they play. So for me, I'm still a Sam. Hart- I'm still I'm still very high on Sam Hartman and very excited to see where he's going or where where he's looking towards for the rest of the year. For Ohio State, the offense concerns me a little bit. The offensive line looked better than they had in previous games. However, still faltered at times. So it'll be interesting to see where both those teams go. Let's speed it up. Real quick thoughts. Bang, bang, couple sentences. Alabama versus Ole Miss. You want me to go first? Alabama is a, a don't-poke-the-bear kind of team. They're a team that people are kind of, I felt like, counting out going into this game. But they, they already said that the big talk to Jalen Milrow was going to be just don't turn the ball over. I think, for the most part, they really held that mantra, and because of it, they beat the team. That has a lot of transfers. Ole Miss has a lot of experience, but a lot of transfers, and I think that hurt them. Yeah, Alabama, they're not done yet. Their defense played a really good game, and Milrow did just enough for... Alabama, and I just learned that Alabama's resilient and they'll continue to play hard and play like they're a championship contender as long, even if they have a rough couple of weeks. And for Ole Miss, I just learned that they just cannot quite get over the hump. Yeah, I think old Alabama showed that they're not done yet. Like Texas is just a very good team, but they still will beat the, you know, very good or upper tier SEC team in Ole Miss. They allowed just 56 rushing yards, 240 passing yards, but no touchdowns, one interception. But this isn't the dominant Alabama offense we've seen in past years. Uh, Milrow threw for about 250, one touchdown, one interception, and then they only ran for 2.9 yards per carry, 130 yards on the day. So Alabama still Alabama, but not a top tier, but they still beat middle, like Ole Miss ranked 15th, you know. I said on Thursday's show, and I'll say it again here, it's not a game Nick Saban loses. Nick Saban doesn't yeah. lose this game. He doesn't lose this bounce back. And whether Alabama has a heavily productive offense this year or not, we've seen that they can fight through adversity. And they've got, a, they've got some tough tests coming up. they got to go to A&M. they got to play a couple other games on the road that's going to be really tough for them this year. But Alabama, they're still going to be resilient. Next game we got here, the penultimate game of this segment, Florida State versus Clemson. Lucas, I'll throw it right back on to you. Uh, FSU rushed for 22 yards, 1.1 yards per carry. Clemson passed for 283 and rushed for 146. Clemson outgained FSU by 120 yards. All this is to say Jordan Travers is really good. That guy, not working left shoulder, still made just countless plays in this game. So tough. Throws it into tight windows. Fearless out there. I love Jordan Travers. I love Florida State. Big win for the Seminoles. Yeah, I mentioned this on the A game a few weeks ago. I'll mention it today. Clemsoning, it's back. Uh, the Tigers found a way to lose this game because they had a new kicker, Jonathan Welts, who was literally about to start a finance career in New York, and then he missed a 29-yard 29 yard field goal at the end of the game. And that and they ended up going to overtime. They ended up losing the game because of that. That's Clemson used to be known for losses like that where they've done everything right except for a handful of things to find ways to lose. They've done that twice already with this game and Duke. Um, for Florida State, it's a big win for them. It's the first time that they've beaten Clemson since 2014. It's only the second time they've done it in Death Valley since 2001. But they need this bye week. They've got some injuries. Jordan Travis had a hurt sh- shoulder the whole game. Their starting left tackle and starting safety didn't play. Their center just came back from an injury. They need this bye week. I said at the beginning of the year that Florida State was a playoff team, and I feel really good about it right now because the schedule is still tough. But there's no game tougher than winning in Death Valley against Clemson, where you haven't won a lot. Didn't love Florida State's game plan in there. There were some really bad drives, but talent won out and maybe a little bit of luck. Jordan Travis was feeling good. He was just throwing it up to 
It was, De- it was Johnny uh, Wilson or Keon Coleman. Yeah, yeah Johnny. I was jo- thinking about Johnny Wilson. Keon Coleman. He obviously had that touchdown in overtime that ended up winning the game. Hey, uh, Dabo Sweeney. Transfer portal is a thing. I know you don't like it, but there are a lot of good athletes out there that would love to play at Clemson. Oh, he announced like that Bobby idea. Phillips will be kicking for the uh, <laughs> Clemson Tigers next weekend. Wow. So the first transfer into Clemson is WASU's own Bobby Phillips. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations to Bobby. So. Hopefully, uh, He's got a mean right leg, I've heard. Can't wait to see him in action next week. Final game we'll talk about, Oregon versus Colorado. Nick, you're starting this one. All right. Oregon's just a better football team. There really isn't that much more to say about Colorado. Even though they didn't have Travis Hunter, they did lose by a ton right away. They only got a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Um, but the main thing is just... we The Ducks are who we thought they were. Colorado, it, they are just a few years away from being at their level. Oregon looks legit. Bo Nix looked phenomenal. Colorado's going to be fine, but the loss was more than the absence of Travis Hunter. It proved what we already knew. Colorado had one win last season, and this season they already have three. The turnaround with Deion Sanders and this team has been incredible, but they still have a little while before they're going to be contenders. They have skill positions that are great, but they are not good in the trenches, and that's where football games a lot of times are won, and that's where they got hurt. And Colorado's the prime example of you can use the transfer portal to your advantage, but it's not going to solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. I think Colorado needs a couple years. You know, talk about him in two or three years from now. Dion might have himself a team that could win. Uh, I don't want to say a national championship, but, you know, it could be a top 10 ranked team. And Lucas, what, what you looking at there? I got skipped. <laughs> oh, we were going this way. You go. Oh, we're going, I, I was, okay. Yeah, I just yeah. always assume if the host is talking. No, no. I was going to okay. kick it back to you. My bad. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just what you guys said. 240 rushing yards for Oregon, 40 for Colorado, 282 passing yards for Oregon, 159 for Colorado. main thing I think is in the press conference, Deion Sanders says, get it out now because you won't be able to do it in a couple years. They're a sleeping giant. You can beat them now. Just wait till two, three years from now. Colorado will be winning these Give games. them a couple recruiting classes yeah. and wait and see what we see. I'm just keeping you on your toes today, Lucas. Yeah, keeping everybody yeah, yeah. on their toes. We're rolling around the table. Lightning speed with different people starting. Let's talk NFL. we got two games to talk real quick. We started a little bit late. The A game's not going on tonight. So we'll, we'll go a little bit over time. We don't obviously always want to do this. I know the first week we were like hour and 30 minutes on the shows. But we're going to stick around for another five minutes. We're going to have a good conversation about this. And then we'll hit some shout-outs. But the first one I want to talk about. The from I thought you said hit the showers. <laughs> <That's what I laughs> Sorry. Hey, we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> the Eagles, they defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 25-11. to Despite Jalen Hurts throwing two interceptions and only one touchdown, the Eagles put the Bucs down early and never let them get back into the game. We've seen this from the Eagles time and time again throughout the last few seasons, but this was the first real test for the Bucs so far this year. Touch briefly on the Eagles if you want. But how do we feel about Tampa Bay after seeing them against a top team? Cody, you're up. Yeah, we're back. The Bucks are showing that that they've had a real test. Like you said, David, very eloquently said, a real test. The Buccaneers are a below-average team with a below-average quarterback. They aren't going to be fighting for wins against big teams. Their wins come from teams that have an 0-6 combined record. They're the kind of teams that they'll compete with. But last night began the began the plummet that we'll see in Tampa Bay. They end with a below 500 record. So do the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, but what? we got life. We got life in, in our well, We got mm, life. Yeah. I, I was going to touch, again, the Eagles, they struggled a little bit in the first two weeks, only getting one score wins against the Patriots and the Vikings, which is actually one of the teams that the Bucks beat. Um, but... 
It's just the Bucks. They're not a, as good as Eagles. They're just they're not. This is the best team they played so far this year, um, and it, it showed. Yeah, take your victory lap, Cody. Take, take your good. victory lap, Cody. The Eagles beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shocking, but yeah, turnovers exactly. are a thing. Uh, two straight turnovers on two drives when they were in the game. And you also didn't could've... you pick the Buccaneers? Yeah, I picked the Buccaneers. But... Okay, then why are you like yeah. shocking? Yeah, but you're making you it like the Buccaneers. you're making it like oh, they like they were. Uh, a five-point dog at yeah, home. Yeah, but you can't like, pick the Buccaneers 24 hours ago and then come back and be like, oh, shocking that the Okay, Eagles but you can't them. make it like the Eagles are a super beatable team for the Buccaneers. Like, you're making it like... I'm just I'm just making okay, sure but you're, the Buccaneers know where their place is. That's their You can lane. play both sides they're of not, this. Come on. I'm playing... You're playing one side. I'm playing the other. But <laughs> right, you're sitting okay. here saying, oh, like... I'm not going to get into it. But it's like... You're just counting what I said, but 24 hours ago you said that you were picking Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I'm allowed to pick them and then still say that they lost to the team in the Super Bowl last year, which is just a fact. You said it as if it was, like, predictable that they were going to lose that game. I mean, I'm not... I'm saying it's, it's not a shock that they the lost. Way. Did you? Is it a shocker that they lost this game? No, but you. you so why you, you can't be the one headlining that while you pick them to win? Yeah, but I'm just saying when you day. make it like you're saying like, oh, Tampa Bay. Everybody's saying they're a Super Bowl contender, then they lose. I didn't say that. I'm just saying. I said, said they're, they're below com- average. Yeah, after. But you were saying coming into this week, everybody was saying you're taking a huge victory lap, saying like, oh, and you're coming at me, but you're saying like, oh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are this great team. They're below average. I'm just saying that they lost to literally a top three team in the NFL. I think that's fair to lose that game. When you look at their wins and the fact that that's combined record is 0-6, we got got to remember where that 2-0 came from, is all I was saying. Despite Tampa Bay... You're still 0-3. Oh, sorry, Lucas. Well, not me. I'm... I'm chilling. We're we're good. We do have life with the fact that the Buccaneers aren't best good performance. Though. You lost by ten points. We're we're okay. We're good. Delusional I'm, I'm good delusional right Panthers here. fans yeah. always sit in that seat. I'm talking Every about Tuesday, the Buccaneers Thursday. right now, yeah, and I'm getting called yeah, a delusional you, Panthers fan. Because I you just came saw, out, I because you tied it around. I didn't say one thing. In my in my thing about the Buccaneers, until Lucas said something when I was talking about the Buccaneers, you literally said there was not one thing mentioned with the Panthers. You talked about the Buccaneers. I, I talked said, about our outfit. No, no, no. You, you mentioned the Panthers, and that's when I talked about our yeah, outfit. This was in the initial statement. You, no, mentioned, no, 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 you brought it up. Play it back. Play it back. I said the Buccaneers are a below average team, and I went on and I said that Tampa Bay is, is a below average. And then that's when you said, well, so are the Panthers. And then that's when I talked about the outback bet. You guys are, you guys are doing us Panthers fans dirty. I didn't even mention the Panthers until you brought it up. We'll give it a listen back. We'll, we will. Uh, we should. You can pretend like there was no Panthers angst in that entire Baker Mayfield's a below average I quarterback. I didn't mention <laughs> the Panthers you did. once. I didn't say anything oh, about okay. the Panthers once. All right. Put words <laughs> in my mouth over here. Yeah, I'm just watching the chaos. <laughs> no, I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. Like, sorry, I made a prediction and I picked the Eagles, but you're making it like, or the Bucks are making it like, I can't then say the Eagles are a good team after that. And then you're denying that it wasn't Panthers yeah, driven that whole argument. That was like, <laughs> that it was so predictable the Eagles were going to win, but you picked the Buccaneers. I'm just like, saying. That's all, that's all I was saying. Okay, I picked a five-point underdog. I'm just saying that they were an underdog going in at home. Like, it's not a crazy thing that they lost that game, and you're making it like everybody in the world. You made it like everybody in the world thought Tampa was going to win that game. Well, if David was like, well, yeah, I expected the Eagles to win, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you did. But, but you're the one who picked the Buccaneers. Okay, they were a five-point dog, and you're making it like they were favored. Like, I'm not saying. I wasn't saying that at all. All I said was, let's remember where the Buccaneers are. Their team, that's that's below average. That's all I said. And then you said it like it was crazy to, to say that, to bring that up. That's I mean, all I was saying. 
That's not. I don't think that. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can go back. I don't think that's how it sounded. But okay. <laughs> I promise. That is. That's going to be a fantastic clip on socials. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it felt like. The Eagles, well, they didn't have their best offensive performance. They find they can find a way to win a game. And the Tampa Bay, whether they're a you know projected below average team, the Eagles were still able to get it done with the defense. They were still able to score enough on offense and comfortably win this game. Tampa Bay really was never in this game for the most part. It really was the Eagles kind of continuing to tack it on in the defense, staying strong. That's how I look at this from here. I still think the Buccaneers are a better team than the Carolina Panthers. Even after, I, I know I'm taking a stray. I'm not taking it you, Cody. But see, and then and, and then but, we're but, like, but, oh, well, delusional but, Panthers fans. I'm just sitting here. But when 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 you play a Seahawks team who is a good team, that was the best game that the Panthers could have put together, and they still lost by ten. So the defense could have played better at times. I mean, there could have been. Like, Why are we more talking than, like, about the Panthers? Stars, but, because this yeah. this the question okay, Cody, was oh. about Tampa. Okay, Bay. Cody. When you, I'm just gonna say, and I'm just gonna say this. Okay. You, when you answered the question, you obviously yeah. had some. Yeah, the emotion <laughs> coming towards me, and then you're gonna act like I'm crazy for I then didn't responding. You either I just said the Buccaneers. Okay, Cody, are below but are you gonna pretend below average Cody, quarterback? You're really gonna pretend like you didn't have any ill will towards this bet that's going on when you were answering that question. I'm just saying you were saying it like. Oh, look at this. Tampa Bay finally loses. Who said they weren't very good? Who says Baker's a below-average quarterback? And then when it swings back to me and I actually respond, you're like, you beat Tampa Bay when I'm sorry I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, your response was to me, and I defended my response to you. But you're acting that's, like you that's didn't have... what we're ha- doing here. That's our show. You're just acting like that's you were like... Do. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Impartial over here. I'm not saying I'm... I'm not saying that I'm not biased in the situation a little bit. I'm just saying I wasn't the guy who mentioned who brought Carolina to the conversation. Nick, if you want, I can meet their mics so we can talk about Bengals Rams. Yeah, I know. Like, we're going to have to get to this at some point, right? <laughs> we're just talking about something that's not even on the rundown. All right, no more Panthers. We're done with the Panthers tonight. We're done with the NFC South. We're not talking about them anymore. Let's look at the AFC North at a matchup that took place in Cincinnati as the Bengals outlast the Rams 19-16 to in a Super Bowl rematch. Joe Burrow and the Bengals look to still be stuck in their offensive rut after the first half, but they showed flashes of them old selves, of their old selves in the second half with Joe and Jamar rekindling that connection in the defense having a ridiculous night against Matt Stafford. What do we make of both these teams last night and where do we think they kind of rank in the NFL at the moment? Sorry with me. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rams are a fun team, but you kind of see it if you can get pressure, if you can make it hard to get the ball to guys like Tutu or Puka. It's just hard on that offense. You saw it with the two turnovers. I think they're a good team. I think they're a fun team, but you know they run into problems pretty quickly with a limited roster. For the Bengals, I, I still don't think they look great. I still think they're figuring things out, but I think they're moving towards their eventual postseason form, and I think as long as they can just rack up some wins even if they're not pretty and you can get into December and start playing your best ball then, then I think they're okay but still some concern for the Bengals and for the Rams just came back to earth a little bit yeah I, I agree with Lucas about the Rams I think they're a fun team but I think they have some issues that will hold them back from being the title contenders that were two years ago I feel like the Bengals they'll I feel like they'll figure it out if they stay healthy I mean that's a big if they stay healthy there was an injury scare with Joe Burrow in the preseason but um, they had a slow start last year, too. They lost a road game to the Cowboys when they didn't even have Dak Prescott. They had Cooper Rush playing. Um, they started 0-2 last year. They ended up fine. They ended up going to the AFC Championship game. They have too much talent on the roster to be in a rut for this long. I feel like they'll 
they'll be good. We saw some flashes with uh, Burrow and Jamar Chase. Chase, Chase having 140 passing yards. Um, Edwin McPherson still has that, that big leg. Um, I feel like they'll be fine. Joe Burrow's really tough. He had some grit, which is great for Cincy. The, the Bengals would be okay. It is tough still having to wince every time that pocket collapses and you're just kind of worried about Burrow even past the calf. But he's tough, and as long as he's playing at quarterback, since he's going to be a very good team. The Rams are a team that they'll, com- they'll compete with average teams. I don't see them being a team that we're talking about too much further down the line, but it is fun seeing what they've been able to do and kind of contending up there. I think we're looking at a better Rams team than we saw last year, but, mm-hmm. man, they missed Cooper Cup last night. Yeah, it, And it was, it was known all the way around. Stafford, I mean, there were so many long-developing plays that there was no one open, and that allowed the pass rush to the Bengals. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard specifically were all over Matt Stafford in that second half. And the Bengals right now, at least for the past couple of years, kind of feels like an old-timey car. you got to hand-crank it. Eventually it'll get going. We'll see if that trend continues. They showed those flashes, and I'm hopefully optimistic that they'll be able to continue to trend in the right direction. And I think, unless anybody else has anything, I think that's going to do it for this chaotic episode of Sports Wrap. So let's go ahead and jump into shout-outs. Lucas, take it away. Yeah, uh, shout-out to my grandma, always listening. Shout-out to all my friends and family listening. Uh, and then shout-out to Gardner Minshew, pulled the Dan Orlovsky and still got the win. So shout-out to you, shout-out to Colts. I'm just going to keep it simple today. I'm going to shout-out my family watching, shout-out my mom and my dad watching live. Um, and I'll just keep it simple right there. Shout-out Brianna Stewart. She won her second career WNBA MVP. Shout-out to Lucas's grandmother every week on the road to rebuilding our relationship. It was all love between Lucas and I, and we were arguing earlier in the show. So just want to help, just take, just want to take that into consideration. We're still boys over here. Shout out to my friends and family as well who have been listening in this weekend. And my grandma's listening in, um, my dad listening in today as well. So thank you all for tuning in. And shout out to Bob Dillner, who said he really wanted argument on the show. And I hope you enjoyed it because that's what you got today. <laughs> got but that's going to yeah. do it for this week's or for this Tuesday edition of Sports Wrap. We'll see you right back here for Thursday's edition at 6 p.m. on 90.5 WASU. And now back to your regularly scheduled music.